0: I invite you to turn your Bibles or your devices to the eighth chapter of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter eight will be our subject matter this morning, and we'll take this chapter in two parts, today, part one, and in the will of the Lord next Sunday, part two. The title today for this first message in Hebrews chapter eight is Better Covenant, Better High Priest, Better Place, Better Promises. Covenant is a word that typically we do not use very often in our everyday vocabularies. And it is a word that nearly all non-churched or uh, non-saved individuals never use, covenant. In scripture, Old or New Testament, a covenant is a one-way contract agreement between God and his people. By one way, I mean that God dictates to his persons and never vice versa. Of course, there are many covenants in scripture. There is the Noahic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, which is also known as the law. There is the Palestinian covenant and the Davidic covenant and the new covenant. Another term for a covenant is a testament. And practically speaking, as Christians, that there are three testaments that we have to do with and think about in the course of our everyday living. And the three testaments I'm referring to are these. Those of us who are married know about a marriage testament. All of us who are believers know about the New Testament. And then those of us who are prudent and have foresight have a last will and testament to help those who survive our deaths to know what to do with various property we may own. Hebrews chapter eight makes the point that our better high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, ministers to us on the basis of a better covenant that is better than all the previous Old Testament covenants. I want to give you an overview of chapter eight, and this is the overview. Chapter eight argues That the new covenant is better than all the previous Old Testament covenants for three reasons. Number one, it is ministered by a better high priest. That's verses one and two of chapter eight. Number two, it's ministered in a better place. That's verses three through five. And number three, it is founded on better promises. That's verses six through 13. Now, as we did in Hebrews chapter 7, we are going to take a more of a skim approach to Hebrews chapter 8. And today, we are only going to consider verses 1 through 5 in Hebrews 8. And in so doing, we are going to see a better high priest in a better place. God willing, next Lord's Day, we'll look at verses 6 to 13 as they present to us better promises. So let's consider now the new and the better covenant. And our first point in this sermon is it is ministered by a better high priest. Our new and better covenant is ministered by a better high priest. Verses 1 and 2, Hebrews chapter eight, hear the word of God. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched, not man. And so we have a better high priest and we need to see four ways that Jesus Christ is a better high priest than the previous human high priests who were Jewish and ministering in the Old Testament. And so in the first way that Jesus Christ is a better high priest is that Christ has moral adequacy. Again, verse 1. Now the main point in what has been said is this, we have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Christ has moral adequacy. He's called such a high priest in verse 1. In verse 6 of the previous chapter, 7, it says this, but the one whose genealogy is not traced from them collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed the one who had the promises. Jesus Christ is in the priestly order of Melchizedek, as we've already seen in previous sermons, and he has a moral adequacy that the Old Testament human priests lacked. There were no God men, Old Testament priests, working in the tabernacle. They were all 100% human. Jesus Christ has the moral adequacy of being 100% God at the same time as being 100% human. But that's not all. Christ also has finished work Going back to chapter 8 and verse 1 again. Now the main point of what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat. May I interject? He has taken his seat because he's finished his work. He doesn't need to stand. He's seated at his Father's right hand in the throne room of heaven because Christ, our superior high priest, has finished his work. Going back to the Old Testament tabernacle, there were no chairs in the Old Testament tabernacle because the human priests who ministered in the tabernacle never could sit down because they never were finished. Not only does Jesus Christ have moral adequacy, there were no God-men priests in the tabernacle, and not only does Jesus Christ have finished work, there were no chairs in the Old Testament tabernacle. Number three, Christ is enthroned. Verse one again. Now, the main point of what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat, watch it, at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Jesus Christ, your high priest, if you're saved, is seated in the very throne room of heaven. He's enthroned. May I point out to you the obvious? That there were no thrones in the Old Testament tabernacle, No Jewish human priest in the Old Testament was enthroned, but Christ is. Number four, Christ is exalted. Let me read both verses one and two of chapter eight on this. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not Man, And so Jesus Christ currently is located, according to these verses, in the heavens. And there Jesus Christ ministers in the highest heavenly real estate that there is. (laughs) There were no exaltations of any particular Old Testament priest in the tabernacle. Basically, those priests were interchangeable with each other. So, the new and current covenant we have is better than the former Old Testament covenants because the new covenant is ministered by a better high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, verses 1 and 2. Now, the main point in what has been said is this We have such a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. A minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. And so, the first point we just covered that this better covenant, new covenant, is ministered by a better high priest brings us to the second point in our verses for today. This new and better covenant is ministered in a better place. And that better place, as we've been hearing, is heaven the throne room of heaven. To see this, look at verses 3 to 5 now with me. Hebrews 8. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Hence, it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer gifts according to the law, who serve a copy of and shadow of the heavenly things. Just as Moses has warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle for see, he says that you make all things according to the pattern which has been shown you on the mountain. And so this new covenant that we enjoy is ministered in a better place. The first Jewish converts to Christ who were the first readers of the epistle to the Hebrews, as we've been saying time and time again, historically, they were tempted to go back to Judaism, which they knew well. And when it came to the concept of a sanctuary where a priest offered sacrifices on their behalves, they had seen the temple in Jerusalem. They knew it. But they had never seen the sanctuary, which is in the heaven, And they didn't understand exactly what their superior high priest, Jesus Christ, was doing by way of ministration in that perfect temple in heaven unseen. And so, back then, as those first readers of Hebrews faced hardship and difficulty and deprivation and persecution, they were tempted in a very real way to walk away from the church, to walk away from Christ, just to go back to what was familiar and safer and may quell and stop persecutions they were experiencing. That was their temptation. It was easier for them to think about going back to a temple they had seen than to consider and be thankful for a temple they had never seen. And this is where verses 3 to 5 would have helped the first readers a great deal. Because as they were tempted to go back to the temple in Jerusalem, verses 3 to 5 would have helped them in three specific ways not to do that. Number one, a real high priest must offer a real sacrifice in a real sanctuary that's in a real place. And all of these things being unseen during the new covenant, remaining unseen to us today, All these things remaining unseen does not mean that any of these things are not real. Verse three, for every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices, hence it is necessary that this high priest also have something to offer. So back then and still today, A real high priest must offer real sacrifice in a real sanctuary that's located in a real place. And just because we can't see those things with our eyes yet does not mean they are not real. They are real. (laughs) We can't see the wind, but it's wind. We can't literally see gravity, but it's in play. We can't see all that's involved in electricity, but we count on it. And so the first reason given to them in the first century not to revert to Judaism was a real high priest must offer real sacrifice in a real sanctuary in a real place. The second reason given in the verses is what would not have been allowed on earth by Jewish law can be allowed now in heaven. As you know, by Old Testament law in the Old Testament, the Jewish priests had to come all from the tribe of Levi. But we have been learning that our Lord and Savior, Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, Lord, in his humanity came out of the tribe of Judah. Now, in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ ministers in the order of Melchizedek. And we've looked at that in some detail in previous chapters and sermons. But let me reread verse 4. Now, if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are those who offer gifts according to the law. Jesus Christ's human ancestry from the tribe of Judah, because he's in the line of Melchizedek, he can be, and he in fact is, our high priest ministering a new and better covenant in a real sanctuary in heaven. And so... Reasons that the first readers shouldn't have gone AWOL from true Christianity in Christ. A high priest, a real high priest must offer real sacrifice in a real sanctuary that's located in a real place. Number two, what would not have been allowed on earth can be allowed in heaven. And number three, the tabernacle and later the temple were just the pattern or the copy or the shadow of the ultimate sanctuary which exists in heaven. Verse 5 Who serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things, just as Moses was warned by God when he was about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says, that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. So actually, the current sanctuary that is unseen by us, that is in heaven, is the ultimate sanctuary because it's the original sanctuary. And any sanctuaries which God prescribed were but copies or shadows on earth of the ultimate real sanctuary that remains to be in heaven. And so... The sanctuary in heaven is no copy, is no shadow, is no pattern. It's the real thing. It's the original thing. So we circle back to remember that in verses three to five, the argument is being made that the new current covenant is better because it's ministered in a better place, namely the better place of heaven. Now I want to move us to The third point today. Recall the first point as to this new and better covenant. Number one, it's ministered by a better high priest. Number two, it's ministered in a better place. And now third and last for this sermon, it's founded on better promises. (laughs) And actually, all I'm going to say about this third point is to whet your appetite because God willing, next week in the sermon, I'll pick it up At this third point, it's founded on better promises. I want to devote a whole sermon to the better promises upon which our new current covenant is ministered. But I just want to give you a heads up to read all of uh, chapter 8 for next Sunday, but particularly focus in on verses 6 to 13 in preparation for next week's sermon on the better promises upon which our new and better covenant is ministered. But let me close this message with an extended story to try to illustrate. This is not a true story, but it could have happened. I just don't know that it has ever happened. This story, I hope, will illustrate for us what we've seen in today's message about having a better high priest who ministers in a better place. Can you imagine a father and his six-year-old son and the little boy's school friend shopping at Walmart. And they are finished shopping, and so they are standing in line to pay at the Walmart cashier. Right ahead of them, there is a customer who has uh, purchased $85 worth of merchandise. And that customer gives the cashier a $100 bill. The cashier sets the $100 bill down on her counter of her work area, but something jams up with the carousel for the bags and she turns her attention briefly to try to sort out what's wrong with the bag carousel and when she comes back to her attention to her workstation, the $100 bill is gone. It's not in sight. And can you imagine that the shopper's, the next shopper's son can barely see over the counter because he's short, but he's straining to do so. When the cashier returns her glance to where she had laid down the $100 bill, she sees this little uh, young boy on his tiptoes leaning over to where she last put the 100 And so she accuses the boy of stealing it while her back was turned. And of course, the boy denies that he took the $100 bill because he didn't take it. But the cashier doesn't take that for an acceptable answer. And so then the young boy's school friend, also a young boy, says, ma'am, he didn't take the 100 She blows off that testimony of that witness because the boy is so young and he's a friend of what who, who she thinks is the thief. Next, the father speaks. My son was never out of my sight, and he did not take your $100 bill. You see, when the father stepped in, in this story illustration, the boy suddenly got a better high priest than a six-year-old peer. The six-year-old peer could have pled his innocence until he was blue in the face, but she's not going to listen because he's a little kid. But when the daddy steps in and affirms the boy didn't steal the money, he has a better high priest. But guess what? The problem would not yet be solved. The problem would not yet be solved. And as the cashier wouldn't accept the father's testimony that the boy didn't steal the money, there's a problem. There's an accusation being made by a cashier that a $100 bill was stolen. And so if the father was quick thinking, he would say, okay, ma'am, You're not taking the word of the young boy. You're not taking the word of my young son. And you're not even taking the word of me. But is there a place in the store where there is a security room that has monitored cameras of all your security cameras? I suppose there is, she said. He said politely, would you please call the manager? Because I would like to go with these two boys to that room with the manager of the store so we could try to get to the bottom of this. So now we've got a superior high priest acting for his son who's wanting to take the debate and the argument to a better place, Walmart's security room full of security monitors attached to security cameras. Well, let's imagine that the manager shows up. It's explained to him what the situation is and the father's desire to go to the security room, and the manager agrees. And so the manager, the father, the son, and the son's little friend go to the room. And they look at the monitor that was on that particular cashier's work area. And they go backwards a little bit in the tape. And they see they see the $100 bill put on the work area of the cashier. And when she turned to deal with the bag carousel, it blew off the shelf and wafted to the floor. And as it turned out, it wafted to the floor and got under the ledge of the counter so the cashier didn't see it. But when the manager could see what happened, the boy who was up on his tiptoes didn't touch the money because it wasn't there. What time he looked over the counter, it was gone. It had wafted to the floor and kicked under the counter of the cashier out of sight. That illustration hopefully can help us to know that we have a better high priest. We have a better high priest than the Old Testament high priests were. We have a perfect high priest. And just as the daddy, when he stepped in to advocate for his son who was being accused of stealing, that carried more weight than the little peer, the six-year-old peer of the boy who was being accused when he said it didn't happen. We have a better high priest. But not only that, we have a better high priest who goes, as it were, to a better place to minister for us, to advocate for us, to defend us, to pray for us. Just like the security room at Walmart with all of its monitors was a better place to solve that dispute, Jesus Christ is in the best place possible at the Father's right hand, seated, because his work is finished, to minister for you and me if you're believers. To defend us against Satan's accusations, to pray for us. Isn't that great? And so remember today, from the first five verses of Hebrews 8, that we have a new and better covenant or testament, that Christ has moral adequacy, finished work, that Christ is enthroned and Christ is exalted, that therefore we have a better covenant that's ministered by a better high priest. But not only that, it's ministered in a better place. And not only that, it is ministered, founded on better promises, which is our sermon, God willing, for next Sunday. Let's have a word of prayer. Oh, Lord Jesus, thank you for being our better high priest, for ministering a better covenant in a better place. How reassuring it is to know that you are for us and not against us. That you know all about our lives, our inner lives and our observed lives. And that you are defending us, praying for us. Thank you for this, Lord Jesus. May we not be like the first readers of Hebrews, who because they couldn't see that heavenly ministry of Jesus Christ, their high priest, they were tempted to go back to what was handleable and Visible, but had expired, been fulfilled, was no longer operative. Lord, help us to live in grace and in the wondrous beauty of a new covenant that the New Testament it describes in fullness, and it is remembered each lord 's day and at the table of the Lord each time it is served. Lord, thank you for all you mean to us for time and for eternity. And we long to be with you in that place of heaven in your time and in your way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.